the first of which is um, we have a men's gathering coming up on the 20th. So go ahead and throw that up there. Um, February 20th, it's going to be at Ed and Sally's house. We're super excited. Uh, if you have men that need to get connected, this is a great place. We're going to have a meal. We'll have fellowship. Uh, Philip is going to be sharing a few words with us as men. And then uh, we've been having an incredible Zoom call with most of you who have been on it every week. We just started it. We have six more weeks, 7.30 on Saturday. If you're interested and haven't got the, the, um, the login yet, then let me know and I'll send you a text. But that's been awesome. So that's, that's kind of what we have for guys is a Zoom call Saturday morning. And then this event coming up, and we're going to talk about ladies in just a second because I'm going to introduce Marilyn. But before we do, I wanted to highlight one last event, and that is um, we're going to be doing a jam night. And, uh, and this is sort of going to be Alex's uh, baby because many of you know that Alex has been doing a jam night at his house about every other Friday. And what I love about this event, what I love about Alex and Liz and their heart is that they really have a heart for lost prodigals. They really have a heart for people who either don't have Christ, don't have faith, or maybe it's been a long time. And, uh, and so they invite people over to their house every, every, uh, every other week to do a jam night, or once a month. And uh, it's not only great music and fun, but there's a lot of people that, um, man, they're, they're getting ambushed with the gospel. And it's awesome, and I see it happening in an environment where they have no idea, but like there's just a few of us sprinkled about that are having these conversations, and it's just really cool. And so um, Alex came to me and said, you know, what if we have a similar event um, here, and, um, and then we invite the same people, um, and, 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 and now, they're, now they're literally at church, um, and we're, obviously we're invited to come and, and hang, and so it's going to be super casual. Uh, it will be a mix of you know all kinds of different genre of music, and uh, and different people coming up here and just just jamming with no other agenda than fellowship and music, and uh, and backdooring the gospel. And that's my heart is that this space would be used. Uh, you know, Derek has a managers meeting here uh, quarterly. Again, this place is filled with like people who. They're not coming to church, but they're coming to church. And, uh, and so that's, that's my heart. And so that event is going to come up, coming up on Friday night. Friday the 12th. The 12th, which is, yep, Friday the 12th, 7 o'clock here. Again, next week, we'll throw up a slide about it, but put that on your calendar. Friday night, the 12th, 7 o'clock, and we're going to have some, some killer fellowship and, and um, music. Lastly, I want to invite up Marilyn, wherever she is. Hi, Marilyn. So, so this is a huge answer to prayer because um, not only do we desire to get more people engaged and involved, but um, there's a lot going on with our church. Praise the Lord. We're starting to have more and more activities and events. And we've had some big events. And those events have been, have been pulled together with, with duct tape and super glue to, 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 to happen because I've planned them, and I am not an event planner, but, you know, you get in there and you do what you got to do. Well, Marilyn, lo and behold, is an event planner. She's a pro, and she approached me and said, you know what, I have a heart for really taking on some of the big events at Heart Church, and so we sat down. We strategized the big events that are going to take place this year, and Marilyn is taking it for us. 
And so um, I wanted to allow, allow her to share just for a few minutes because I know she's going to be building a team. And then also she's helping to oversee our women's and what's going on there. So she's going to just share for a few minutes. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we're going to start. Uh, we need some help with um, events. Obviously, they're huge to plan. Takes a lot of coordination and poor Shane <laughs> did you know, it's just impossible to do it all. So if you're interested in helping and getting involved in the major events that are coming up, uh, we have basically four each year that are really big community outreach events, and we would love your help and your uh, volunteerism <laughs> and uh, just helping us make those even more successful than they've already been. So that's really great. And so just come see me if you are interested. We've got um, the first event is going to be in March, and so um, that's coming up quicker than we think. And I want to just interject that there's opportunity to serve at the actual events, yes. but then there's also, in addition to that, an opportunity to serve on Maryland's team as like a, a event committee. Yeah, and we're putting together a committee. So she's putting together like an event team to actually be behind the scenes and organize these events. And so we have a, a baptism Sunday event, which is going to be incredible. Baptism. And then we're going to do a, a back to school outreach. Then we have our camping trip. Holler! Oh, you guys, the camping trip is amazing. Okay. Um, and then that's in October. And then we have our, uh, our uh, Christmas outreach event. So those are kind of the big, the big four. We're going to do a lot of other stuff, but those are like the big ones. She's putting together a committee to really organize those things. And then obviously everyone can serve, you know, day of. Yeah. I'm already starting collecting toys for the Christmas one. <laughs> so if you have toys, bring them. <laughs> And then next is the women's ministry. We're so excited to get started on this. this we're going to start a Beth Moore study. I don't know if, how many of you have experienced Beth Moore, but she's amazing. Um, so this one is Living Free. It's actually a continuation of her Breaking Free study. If you've done that one, it's powerful. It's life-changing. So this is a six-week study. We're going to meet every other Friday. Uh, we met last fr the Friday before, whatever. So this Friday, the fifth, is our is our, we'll be meeting. If you didn't, if you plan on coming and didn't get a book, come see me. I have books. And uh, again, we're going to meet at six o'clock at Ed and Sally's, <laughs> our hotel away from home. <laughs> and um, six o'clock, we're going to have a light dinner. So we're going to do a baked potato and salad bar. So if you are coming, bring a topping for a baked potato. And um, then we'll start at 6. We're usually done by 8.39 at the latest. We'll see a short video, and then we'll have a nice discussion. But it's really a life-changing study. I hope, you can, hope you'll come and participate. Again, it's every other Friday, starting the 5th, this coming Friday. Thank you. Love it. Well, hey, without further ado, I want to invite up Lamont. As I said last week, um, we have a guest speaker. And I'll tell you what, I've been looking forward to this all week long. Uh, I've had the privilege of, of sitting uh, and receiving from this man already as he's preached. Uh, he preaches often downtown uh, at one of the ministries there. But uh, this man knows the word. Uh, he has an incredible story. You'll probably get just a sliver of it today. But if you ever have an opportunity to take this guy out to lunch um, and, and, and allow him to share his story, his redemptive story, of what Jesus has done for him, what he, Jesus is doing through him is absolutely incredible. Uh, we share notes and, and, uh, and Bible scriptures and encouragement all week long because this, this is an incredible man. So I'm excited. I'm going to receive. You're going to receive. Love you. I tried to do everything in my power to get out of this. <laughs> and, um, 
I know my wife is going to cringe because she never knows what's going to come out of my mouth. <laughs> you know, we had, a we had a tough audience, and um, I'm still a little overwhelmed to be up here. You know, Pastor Shane has um, given me a lot of um, inspiration and a lot of hope. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't want to be here. I didn't want to preach anymore. I didn't want to um, take the charge of the burden of, of carrying the gospel to the nations. And I've been running from God ever since I was a baby. But God has been chasing me. He's been chasing our ministry. He's been chasing our family. And, and I'm born into the church. My whole life has been about music and Jesus. From the time I was born, from my great-grandfather was a preacher, his brother was a musician. My grandfather was a musician, his brother was a preacher. I got five brothers, I mean five cousins who's all preachers, three deacons, all musicians, preachers. And then you had the wayward son, the one who had, didn't want anything to do with the gospel. I'm moved, and thank you, Heart Church, for letting me be here. Um, my wife... The mud. I'm surprised she's not a different color for all the mud I've drug her through. And when I think of Jesus, I think of my wife. When I think of the compassion that our Lord has for us, it goes back to my wife. When we were in a situation, and I'm going to get to the gospel in, in two seconds. I just want to do this introduction because it is about my wife. She's very, very quiet. And I, and I said when I get an opportunity, because you won't hear from her. You barely see her. She barely speaks. But she's powerful. In the, in the realm of the throne of God, in the throne room of God, one of the greatest attributes that God gives all of his people is forgiveness. It, it's something that derives straight from the kingdom of heaven. It comes from the kingdom of heaven. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he saw something that blew his mind. But one of the greatest attributes that came out of the throne room was forgiveness. I didn't know what forgiveness was until I offended my wife. I didn't know what forgiveness was until a person who I hurt the most says, you know what? I forgive you. I said, man, I can be nothing but Jesus. Stay with me. I just want to pray. Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share the good news, the gospel, Father. Since the beginning of time, Lord, you have kept your eyes on the history of your man. And I thank you, Lord, from, from the time of Adam, Father, to the to the revelation of John, Lord, all those things that's compacted in the middle, how you've given us a direction, how you've given us hope, how you've taken away with people who have did nothing but shun you all the years throughout the history, Lord, and how you sent one man, Father, how he tore himself out of glory and came to dwell among sinful men to give us direction back to the throne room of God, Father. And I thank you for this. I thank you for this church, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for allowing me this opportunity, Father, to impart your word into our people, Father. By this, I thank you for in Jesus' name. 
The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned to give a word in due season to the soul that is weary. He awakens my ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. In Genesis chapter 1, stay with me because I'm going to run through the Bible real fast. <laughs> in Genesis chapter 1, when God began to start working, we know nothing happened. I love you, man. <laughs> nothing happened until God spoke. The spoken word is everything. The tongue of the learn is everything. The tongue of the disciple, in some translations say, is everything. When he awakens your ear and he gives you something to speak from the heart, but it has to come from his word. Anything outside of God's word is just feverish. It has no substance. It has no meaning whatsoever. When God begins to speak, things begin to change. When you begin to receive things in God, your life will change. Amen. The first thing he says, is says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of the Lord God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, which sets the gospel in place. God has been making a distinction from his people since the very beginning. What light was this? I'm clueless. Maybe Pastor Shane can tell you. Whatever this light was, God made a distinction saying this is good and this is bad. Somehow, Lamont was born in Star Wars, they say, the dark side. <laughs> the dark side. Amen. <laughs> Um, I know I put my wife on the spot, but God has been working with his people forever. Can I make a play on words about history? You look at the history of man. The history of man has always been based around what? Break down the word history. His story. It's always been about Jesus. It's always been about the redemption of man, getting man, sinful man, back into a place, amen, back to a place where he can have fellowship back with God. It amazes me when a monk decides to go hide themselves up in the hills and then they call themselves holy. Well, you're holy because you haven't been tested by mankind. You've holy because you've separated yourself from all the wickedness of this world. So, yeah, you can sit there and say, hey, man, I'm holy. I'm up in the mountains. I'm a monk. I'm away from people, but yet you're missing the point. And the point of the matter is this. In order for God to work in you and through you, you have to be challenged. I've been challenged. Oh, boy, have I been challenged. And I've been thinking about when me and my wife was doing our ministry, it came out of pain. Every ministry in the history of every prophet, every person in the Bible their ministry was birthed through pain. Our children are birthed through pain. We're born into a world of pure pain and suffering. And I've suffered. I've caused my family to suffer. I've caused my mom to suffer. My children to suffer. That's why you don't see my children here today. From a wayward father. I have a daughter that's, that just went left on me. All of a sudden, I have a grandson who I'm trying to establish a relationship with. 
but God is great. The Bible says your heart will condemn you, but God is greater than your heart. And I was thinking about the word love, and I'm, getting, I'm, I'm pushing all the way to Matthew, so stay with me. I was, thinking, I was thinking about the heart, and I was thinking about what God was doing, and when God first started talking about love, we get 22 chapters into the, to the Bible before the word of God is even mentioned, before the word love is even mentioned. But we see the attributes of God throughout the garden, all through Noah, all the way into Abraham. Stay with me. When Adam and Eve sinned, I'm a little emotional today, but it's okay. When Adam and Eve sinned, God has set the prophecy in motion. And he stopped them. He says, hey, look, man, I'm going to put a cherubim before this tree. Because if you take and eat from this tree, you'll live perpetually in sin for the rest of your life. So he protected the tree. And he cast them out. Then we get to the two brothers. One brother rises up. He kills the other brother. God begins to deal with Cain. And Cain said, man, this is too much for me to bear. God shows a hand of mercy upon Cain, and he puts a mark on Cain. And he tells Cain, he says, look, man, if anybody touch Cain, <laughs> you're going to have to deal with me. A murderer. I remember when I got in trouble. <laughs> I was on the shores. I got to tell the side story. I was on the shores in Carlsbad, and I ran up every bad person in the Bible to God. <laughs> I said, God, what I, where I'm at right now doesn't even compare to... Look what David did. Look, look what Cain did. Look what, look what Abraham did. He lied. And I ran the gauntlet of every person in the Bible that ever sinned against God. It didn't help me. I, I still had to go through what I had to go through. But God has been watching us, and he's been keeping his eye on us since the beginning of time. And he has a redemptive plan for each and every last one of us. A redemptive plan. And we can see it unfold. We can see it unfold throughout the annals of history. We can see it unfold through Abraham. When Abraham first dealt with God and God came to him and he says, shall we keep from Abraham what we're about to do? This is the time when Abraham, um, when God was about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, because we know Abraham is going to teach his children. And the whole world is going to be blessed through Abraham. That's the coming of our Messiah. It's a prophecy. And I thought about this, and I thought about this, and I thought about um, the, the, the twins when Rebecca was pregnant. And not one time did God say, you know, you're pregnant with two people. What did God say? No, you have two nations in your womb. We're not an island unto ourselves. We are a people who are destined to grow. Amen. The church is to grow. I was standing in the back and I was thinking about Heart Church. I was like, wow. I remember we were only a few. Now we're many. We were having problems with the sound system. Now we, you know, we've raised the ceiling. God is constantly expanding his kingdom. What are you doing to help expand his kingdom? Let me forward ahead because I don't want to get sidetracked. 1022 is the time I was born. Amen. Um, 2222. Amen. That's funny. Um, me and my wife started a homeless ministry. And this ministry was, it was a tough ministry. Um, we were separated for a minute. I was living downtown San Diego. 
And I used to get up and run every morning. I used to run seven miles every morning. And I started seeing people on the street. And I said, man, you know, Lord, um, I've been shunned by a lot of church. I didn't really want to have um, nothing to do with the gospel, actually. Um, and I knew I had fell to a place where uh, me and, me and um, Brother Dan was just talking, where I was just in total despair. And God has always been putting something in my heart to serve. The Bible tells us Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve. And the greatest part of ministry is serving the people. Amen. So in Matthew chapter 25, I want to I want to push along because there's a there's a lot. My story is not that important. My story is a story. It's a testimony. But my story is really not that important. What's important is that we get the gospel out. And that we let people know that there's a God who's good to us and who's gracious to us. Amen. And, and, and it all started with ministry. It's, it starts with having a heart to serve. Amen. We, we have to have a desire in a heart to want to serve the people. So little by little ministries, um, <laughs> another play on words. My last name is Little. My wife's last name is Little. And we stood together. Little by little. I had, I had a staff. Do you have that picture for me of, of my wife with the lunch bags? I want to show you a picture of my staff that we had a little by little. There she is. <laughs> there, there's my staff right there. There's my staff. And, uh, and she did a great job. I would be laying in bed and she would, she would do her thing. And that's her out there feeding the people. Let me tell you a quick story about this picture right here. The guy on the left, the guy on the right, and the guy on the far right are all dead. And I have a host of other pictures where I can show you nine or ten other people that died in the street. This is what amazes me about the scriptures. Let me make sure I find my proper place. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And, and, and for the lighthearted people who likes the Lamb of God, Jesus ain't coming back as a lamb. I'm letting you know right now. We can preach hell and, and brimstone all day, but this is not what the message is about. Jesus is not coming back passive. He's coming back as a lion. And if you know anything about lions, this is what they do. He is the lion from the tribe of Judah. And he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to do some separating of some people. He's going to do some things that's going to determine who's going to sit in glory with him and who's not. Here's a side note. People are going to hell. Our job, our job is to point them so that they don't go to hell. We have a mission. I told these people one day, I said, look, my wife wife probably cringing right now. I told them, I said, look, man, you're going to die. You're going to die. Either you're going to die in a mansion or you're going to die in one of these bushes over here. But the point of the matter is you're going to die. And when you die, you're going to have to face the judgment. And when you face the judgment, he's going to determine what you did in his body. You will never be judged for your sins. That was taken care of at the cross. That's theological. That's theology 101. Sin, the price of sin has been paid for on the cross. But what you do in his body is going to matter. It's going to matter. It's going to determine where you spend your eternal destination. Amen. 
Look, when you preach the gospel, you have in your hands the power. You have the power to determine a person's eternal destination. Simple. You accept Jesus, you go to heaven. You don't accept Jesus, you go to hell. Simple. It's, it's, not, it's not algebra. I'm, I'm horrible at algebra. <laughs> but it's mathematics one-on-one. Jesus says this, and this is the, the topic of my message. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Amen? And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another. Takes us back to Genesis chapter 1. God has always been separating and dividing what is holy and what is profane, what is clean and what is unclean. Amen? And he shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Amen? The Bible says this in Psalms. And I say this to Pastor Shane and any other pastor in this church. Know the state of your flock. Know what's going on with your people. Know their struggles. Know what they're doing. You have to know the state of your flock. You have to know. Your job as the pastor is to, hey, Lamont, what are you doing today? Let's have lunch. When Pastor Shane first came, he kind of looks like my old pastor, you know, the Caucasians. And, uh, <laughs> when, he, when, he, uh, when he first came down, he wanted to know my story, right? And I was like, nah, man. I said, I fell into that trick once before. So he says, okay, this is a tough one. This is a tough knuckle to crack right here. So I'm just going to let you in on my story. And he began to share his story. I was like, hmm, you don't look like you got a story. <laughs> Looks more like Professor X, but it's like, um, he has tattoo, right? It's like, he says, I have a story. And he began to share his story with me. I said, hmm, trust is not my strongest attribute. Neither is it hers. My wife told me one day, I don't trust you. I said, that's a problem. That's a problem. You don't trust me. But I'll tell you this about trust. Every person that walked in this room, when you came in this room, not one person questioned who made these chairs. You just came in and you flopped down right at them. You didn't care if they were black, if they were white, where they were made in Taiwan, where they were made in America. You trusted the fact that when you sat down, that chair is going to hold you. That's a big deal. We have to trust Jesus. We have to trust his word. Amen. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand. There's always power on the right. Amen. Left-handed people don't stand a chance. But the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. We're talking about the lamb that says he was slain since the foundation of the world. So all this was set in motion long before Jesus even spoke this. But come because I have prepared a place for you. Amen. In, in, in the Jewish culture, when a man takes on a wife, it would call a whooper. He would go and prepare a place at his father's house. Right. Then he would go and receive his wife. And then bring her back to her father's house. With a, my wife is like, where's my house? <laughs> prepare a place for his wife. Amen. Jesus says, I got to go away because I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. 
So as long as Jesus is preparing a place for us, we have a place to go. He says, I will come back and receive you unto myself. I want to be in the fold. I want to be the sheep on the power side. Amen? Because there's power on the right side. The right side is the right, set, hot, the right side of God. Derek, don't hold that against me. He said, I'm going to laugh at you if you make a mistake. Then the king shall say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was a stranger. Jesus understands being a Jew what it's like to be a stranger in a foreign land. <laughs> so much theology runs through my mind. You know, do you know... And, and, and I, I don't know who my Bible students are. Do you know when the great exodus happened that it was a mixed multitude of people that went with the Jews? Mixed multitude. It just wasn't Jews who left Egypt. If I was an Egyptian and I saw all those things going on, I'm falling right in with them because I saw that their God is mighty and that he's saving and he's redeeming them. Amen? So he says here, Naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. Hebrews chapter 13. I'm gonna come back to I'm gonna come back to Matthew in a second. I know I like to run through scripture, but sometimes I'll talk and, and there's a scripture to come to my mind. Hebrews chapter 13, and we believe Paul wrote this book. And Paul, being a Pharisee that he was, he knew scripture very well. And Paul also had an encounter with Jesus, just like the other apostles did, because Jesus trained Paul. Amen? He said, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourself also in the body. Remember them. Me and my wife used to go to the uh, Messianic um, synagogue, and one day we walked in, and I, somebody was mourning, and I was like, man, a lot of people died because I, I wasn't familiar with their customs. But I wanted to learn about the, about the Jewish customs. And I said, that's a lot of people that died. But there was only one person that died. And everyone that stood, they stood with them. We stand together. We suffer together. If any one of us are sick, as we know through Brother Alex, how we gathered around, I believe... He should have been dead. I believe that. But I believe the fervent prayers of a righteous man, how much more so are fervent prayers of a righteous church? How much more fervent prayers of a righteous God availeth much? And God raised him up. If Alice was left to himself as I was left to myself, he would have died. I believe that. There we can see that smiley, beautiful, happy, beautiful face and there was a time I thought I was going to die getting back to Matthew 
Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hunger? And when did we feed you? Or when were you thirsty and we gave you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and took you in or naked and clothed you? And when we saw you sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer him and says this, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done this to the least of them, you have done this unto me. If you've done it unto the least of them, you have done it unto me. It's okay for those who are spiritual to restore those who have fallen. It's a principle that we all have to live by. We have to live by the principle of rest restoration. This is a restoration church. We need to be redeemed by the blood of the lamb and those who are spiritual. Some of us have obtained righteousness. No righteousness in and of ourselves. We're clothed with Jesus' righteousness. We have no righteousness of ourselves. Our righteousness, as Isaiah tells us, is this filthy rags. It's filthy. There's nothing that we can do in our own accord to make ourselves righteous. Only the blood of the lamb can make us righteous. And there's things that's required of his children to do. It's required of us. I, I remember I thought my grandmother was ignorant in, in a good way, but she was always quoting the Bible. She was always hymning her little hymns, and, you know, I'd be in there doing my little do whatever, and she'd be like, T-Mont, Lord, just bless T-Mont. T-Mont, Lord, bless T-Mont. And, and I remember, I was like, man, why she always got my name in her mouth? And then I heard that weird language that I never understood, and she was speaking in tongues in her rocking chair back and forth, and she would be running a gauntlet with her family through her guardian. But my name would always be distinctive. I said, my grandmother has prayed for me. I wish I could hug her to this day. Everything that I am gospel-wise comes from my grandmother. <laughs> Let me tell you why. I thought she was ignorant. I thought she was just one of the most southern black women that came from the south. And, yo, God is good. My grandmother had a degree from Moody Bible Institute. My grandmother knew the word, wrapped in the word, and she quoted the word. And she talked about Paul the Apostle a lot. And when she alluded to Paul, she would always go back to Jesus. And I was like, man, Grandma, she's just, you know, not in hindsight, done it. I'm, I'm almost 60 years old. Um, these things stuck. They made an impact in my life. And I'm just moved by who I was born to and why I was born to them. The king answered and said unto them, when you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then, has she say, then shall he say unto those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire. Hell was never prepared for people. Another tidbit. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. And the devil's going to try to take as many people as he can unless we do our job. Unless we go out and see our people for who they really are. In the likeness of God, man is created. Every man deserves the respect. If you're sitting on a curb, can I have uh, the other picture up there, please? Mission accomplished. Can you bag me up one? That's me and my wife. We're down at the Civic Center. Can you bag me up one more? This is what our Civic Center church used to look like. And that little guy in the blue shirt, that's me. My wife had always prepared the food on the side. 
Each one of these people at one point or another got off the street. We were diligent about going out. Her more so than me. You know, she's like, let's go. I'm like, no, it's raining. <laughs> she's like, let's go. I'm like, no, nah, they'll be all right. <laughs> I should go out there and give them some food and let's, let's go, <laughs> you know. And she was a stickler about taking two loaves of bread. And I was like, you know, we get, we get some money in the mail. And, you know, I say, Pastor John, bless us. Let's, you know, let's take them some donuts. She's like, nah, two loaves. That's all they need is two loaves. And then what would she say with her degree in theology? That's all Jesus had. <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes. Out of the mouth of babes. Jesus has been pulling his people and drawing his people to him through us through his spirit. And again, I'm, I'm a little set emotionally, but it reminds me of a story about how we got to where we're at. I like the Torah. I like the law. I like, I like the law of God. And I know Jesus came and he fulfilled every aspect of the law. And in, in the rabbinic circles, those, those, those rabbis who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, when they would see Jesus, they say, hey, the walking Torah. The Baptist who says, hey, Jesus, the lamb who takes away the sin of the earth. And I remember when the Baptist said that, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the Baptist are saying this under his breath. And the bubbleheads, that's the disciples, they heard him and they begin to follow Jesus. One brother tells another brother who tells another brother about this man. The lady at the well goes into a town because she had her interaction with Jesus. She says, I'm gonna go and tell somebody who told me everything about me, about your 19 husbands and your waywardness and this, that, and the other. So she goes and she tells people. We're wrong if we take the goodness of God and don't share it. We're wrong. You know, I was telling Adam just a few minutes ago, I talked to all these guys all the time, but I was telling Adam, you know, um, I don't want to do this no more. You know, um, God has put a word in my mouth and he's, he's given me an opportunity to speak, impart a word into somebody's spirit who might be weary. And you're looking at a dead man walking. And because of God's redemptive love and because of God's mercy, and because God saw value and worth in me, he says, hey man, I'm gonna raise you up. I'm gonna bring you out of the muck. I'm going to show you something that you can't do on your own. <laughs> you can't raise yourself up. And I'm moved by that. I'm, I'm moved by what God is doing. There's two stories I want to end with. One story talks about the Levitical law, about the, the sowing and reaping, or gleaning, gleaning your fields. And he's telling the Israel and people, he says, don't glean your fields, leave something behind for the poor. This is a message about the poor. This is a message about what we should do as a church. And Heart Church has got it right. The food, the food ministry, when we was at the apartments doing our thing, we, we got this thing figured out. Amen? So by this law that they set up in, in the book of Leviticus, it's called the moral law, the moral laws of how we should deal with each other. And he's telling the gleaners, don't glean your fields, but leave something behind for the poor. So God has always made provisions for the poor. We get to the book of Ruth, 
And we know the story. She was a Moabitess, you know, from the waywardness of Lot. And they begin to grow, and, and she holds on to Naomi, and they, they go back to, to Bethlehem, which is a good story. And Boaz had a field. And Naomi says, tells Ruth, you know, go out there and glean. And soon as Boaz rose up, he sees her. And he says, who is this maiden? Leave something for her. Do you think a simple law that's written in the book of Leviticus could lead us to our king? <laughs> Can I tie it together? Who is Boaz? Who is Boaz? Father of Jesse. Who is Jesse? And who is David? King David. That our Messiah comes from. From simple as not gleaning your fields to its entirety, we get a Messiah. It's a principle of taking care of the poor. It's a principle. I had to figure out how to tie that together. I had to figure out how to tie it together. But God has been working his story throughout the history of mankind. Everything written in this book is for our edification. It's for us to teach, for us to instruct. <laughs> Me and my wife went to see Pastor Richard one day, and he tried to commit suicide. And we found out where he was at. He was on the sidewalk dead one time, and he's, he's doing very well today. And I went there, and I, <laughs> I have to laugh because I told my wife, I, she said, why would you say that to him? I said, look, man, you got money to go buy dope, but you can't buy one pizza for the church? He just tried to commit suicide. You think he would need some form of encouragement, right? <laughs> and she's like, you're just harsh. I was like, no, that's just truth. The Bible says this. Open rebuke is better than secret love. And, and I'm moved by what that did. And how I know that affected him is because I just talked to Pastor Richard when I was down there Monday. And Richard was like, man, you remember when you came and saw me? Now he's running God's extended hand that you guys used to work at and built a roof on their house, on that building, 20, 30 years ago. And Pastor Shane is back there again. There's another story about Zacchaeus. And G um, Pastor Shane made a statement the other day, and then I'm, and I'm done. He made a statement the other day about how I see you. I see your burdens, I see your pain. And Jesus was always mobbing. Wherever Jesus went, wherever his feet touched, it was productivity. Nothing was ever done in vain. Every direction, the Bible tells us in Isaiah that Jesus set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. He says, we got to get to Jerusalem because I have to get to the cross. And Zacchaeus was hanging up in a tree. And Jesus, Jesus was walking by. Listen, church. Never walk past a homeless person. You don't have to give them your substance but acknowledge them. Say, hey man, how you doing today? If they want something and you got something to give, give it to them. What they do with it is not your business. If they want to go buy them a 40 ounce of liquor and go buy them some crack cocaine, then give them what they, give it to them and let them go. But prayerfully, one day, they will remember that someone took the time to acknowledge them. Acknowledge the homeless. Be kind to the poor because Jesus is, and Jesus has done it. He tells Zacchaeus, he said, hey, man, come down. Come down from that tree. 
he was about Alex's size. But I would say he was a short guy. <laughs> so Zacchaeus scurried down the tree and Jesus went to his house. And because Jesus was able to sit with sinners and Pharisees and tax collectors, <laughs> it changed everything for Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus draws back. He says, I got to go repay everything. The Bible says, he who stole, let him steal no longer, but let him work with his hands so he can get edification for those who have need. And, and there's a lot of things that we have to do to support this fallen world that we're in. This COVID thing has taken the world by storm. And yet here we are. No mask on, our doors are open. It's cold outside. And we have to make a stand for Jesus. We have to make a stand for his people. We have to make a stand for his kingdom. And I move, there's, there's another picture Derek, you got my picture? And the only reason I'm showing you this picture is because it kind of ties this thing together for me. Um, I think it's up there. But we lost nine to ten people in our ministry in the five, in the five or six years. That was the mission. That's the picture I wanted. And the reason why I took that picture is because we went out to feed them one day, and the place was empty. And a lot of people had um, came off the street, and they began to um, just disappear. So I was like, Chris, I think our job is done. I think we did what we needed to do here. I didn't put the other pictures up, but there's a picture I have, um, that I have when I was at the uh, hotel. And Pastor Shane was down there. We said, little by little, we'll no longer be meeting here in this room. And uh, I had a picture of us and with four people. And then I had a room, a picture with, with multitudes of people, like maybe 180, 100 people. And I remember one day I got up to preach. And I, and I stood there, and I, I hadn't looked up yet. I was just, you know, talking to Pastor Richard and some other people, and I looked up, and I was like, whoa, where did all these people come from? You know what that was a direct result of? Them streets. Being in them streets, giving out a sandwich, giving up a cup of coffee. So we refined the ministry. My wife, with her brilliant mind, she's like, they don't want these cookies. They don't want these juices. And I'm tired of that. I'm, I'm tired of making all these bag lunches. And um, so we just boiled it down to two pots of coffee and um, two loaves of bread. And that ministry has taught me everything about everything. And I want to thank my wife, the bottom of my heart, for your support and forgiving me and, and loving me and giving me the opportunity to um, trust me with your, with your eternal destination. You know, she don't think I, I think about her as much as I do, but I'm always thinking about her. And one last thing, when I, when I graduated, um, I was in this, 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 this program. It took me like six years to get this degree. And um, they wouldn't help me. They, they did a lot of things. And I was, I, <laughs> I wear my emotions on my sleeve sometimes. My mother told me when I was about this big, she says, you're going to have a lot of problems in life. I said, why do you say that? She said, because you expect people to do what you do. <laughs> she said, your expectation is way too high of people. So you got to lower your expectations. And I keep my expectations up here. That's just my problem. <laughs> That's something I need to work on. And I remember um, when I graduated, you know, I thought these people didn't help me with housing. They didn't feed me. They didn't make sure I had the things that I needed to, to be active back into society. So when I was, they said, like, here's the microphone, man. Go and, you know, tell how good Toomey's been to you. I was like, <laughs> there's only one person that I see the love of Christ in. And all these people that standing out here.
and that's my wife. She fed me, she clothed me, she forgave me, and um, we're sitting on 20 years, 20 years, 20 long years, and, and I'm grateful for you, Chris. Whether you think I am or not, I am. My wife said she's going back to Holland, <laughs> but I said, uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for letting me share. That's a bit of my heart. Pastor Shane, thank you for letting me present the gospel. You know, you're, um, you're an awesome man of God, and, and I'm grateful to be in your midst, in the midst of this church, Heart Church. And thank you, Heart, and um, Mr. Alder, for inviting me to the beach. You know, it all started with an invite. Don't be scared to invite people to church. If you have to set up a jam to creep people up into the church, get them up in here. And we have a little baptism pool put in the back. And <laughs> play a jam and then dump them. Amen? <laughs> Let me pray for us. I hope I'm not over my time. Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to preach the gospel, Father, to share, Lord, a, a good word in due season, Father, um, for the hearts that are weary, Lord. I, I thank this church. I thank every individual that will not just take the message, Father, but just take the message and let it marinate in their hearts. Let them know that there's people out here who have needs, real needs, Father. And only Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, can meet those needs. But again, we are an extension to his, of his hands. We are an extension of his grace. We are an extension of his love. We are an extension of everything that happens in the throne room of God. As Jesus sits there and advocates for us day and night. I pray, Father, that we can begin to advocate for those who are not yet brought into the kingdom, Father. So we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this time. And we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.